Hey guys, we have an awesome special guest this evening. The showrunner of Bull is in the house. Stay right with us. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hey everyone, hey. welcome to <laughs> Bull at the Show. We have an awesome special guest this Woo! evening. He has been a part of many writers' rooms, from the West Wing to Sleepy Hollow, Law and Order SVU. He is the current showrunner of our beloved show, Bull on CBS. He is Mark Goffman. Yay! Thanks thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome. Oh, we are so excited to have you here. We love this. We love this show, and we just really want to get all the insider secrets and and scoops from you, which hopefully we will get. I'll give a few. (laughs) Yeah, just a few? Okay. All right. It is great having you. Seriously, like, this is is so cool for us. Uh, I'm Kevin Ellis. And I'm Nadine Dallapella. You can find me everywhere at Nadine DP and the number three. And the Kevin Ellis on Twitter, Instagram, Kevin Ellis 25, Mark. You have social media. Sure. Mark Goffman on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's the main way to reach me. See, I love that. (laughs) See, I don't know why I had to put the three at the end, because my last name is way too long. Just have Nadine Dallapella. (laughs) So I had to shorten it. But I wish it was just easy. I, I'm going to just yeah. do Mark Goffman from now okay, on, too. fine. So, everybody no, follow me at yeah. Mark Goffman. <laughs> we I look similar. Just it. a little bit. Wear my glasses. It's classy. It's classy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this, this show, so, so great. Mm-hmm. And it is very successful. It is the number one drama on television. Number one new Thank show you. in new all show, yeah. of television. It is fantastic. And, I mean, right off the bat, I want to know, how did you become involved in the show? And what drew you uh. to Bull? Well, you know, Paul Adonacio and Dr. Phil McGraw actually created the show, Mm -hmm. and two people I really, really admire. Um, Paul Adonacio, of course, wrote Quiz Show and Donnie Brasco and um, was one of the executive producers of House. I mean, just has an incredible pedigree as as a writer and producer. Um, And Dr. Phil was really this pioneer in trial science, and I had no idea. uh, I didn't know him anything other than you know, Dr. Phil the, uh, and his talk show, um, and he started telling us stories, and they're really mind-blowing. I mean, the, the whole way that he ended up getting a talk show was from uh, Oprah, mm-hmm. and if you remember in the 90s, she was sued because she said something to the effect of don't eat beef, beef and it was during the mad cow scare, and the beef industry sued her, for, and I think for like hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, Dr. Phil was hired as a trial scientist to work with her, help pick her jury, help prep her for trial. Oh, wow. And he, she was so impressed with him that she then started having him on her show. No and way. it all kind of, you know, spurred from there. But he was incredibly successful as this, I mean, huge, you know, he had done major celebrities and billion-dollar cases. Um, and you, I have come to think about our judicial system in such a different way and that's really what hooked me into the show is, um, you know, in thinking about it, there were just some brilliant television this year with, like, um, the uh, O.J. story. Mm. And um, the, I loved the way that sort of peeled back the curtain on something I thought I was pretty familiar with and really showed how the judicial system worked, how every player in the trial came up with their strategies, played it against the jury, played it in court, um, and so when this show was offered to me, I thought, it, what an amazing opportunity to really look at justice in America um, with this character of Bull at the helm. And Michael Weatherly is so great because 
you can kind of do anything with him, and he's so likable that right. he can get away with it. Yeah, and true. That was, he just does a little smile, yeah. and then he's just good, and it's good to go. So, like, in the pilot episode, you know, whether it's stealing a watch mm-hmm. or saying something incredibly provocative, and I love sort of having a main character who's a provocateur, um, He his whole kind of ethos is about what makes people tick. Mm-hmm. And so that was the other thing that really attracted me to the show, is we're not just doing a law show, we're not just doing a crime show, we're doing a show about human behavior. Mm-hmm. We're really making, we're at the center is a person who's trying to understand what makes people tick, because what makes himself tick. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really exciting place as a writer to, to start. And, you know, that allows us the ability to do anything from a heavy crime murder case to, you know, really interesting litigation cases, to sexual discrimination, um, you know, cross the board, because it's all about how do people think about each other, mm-hmm. how do they yeah. behave, and what 12 people are you going to put together to come up with, you know, a verdict that uh, we want for the outcome. Yeah. So there's a little bit of wish fulfillment uh, in the episodes, and, and that, you know, like when I was on the West Wing, I, I love the idea that we can kind of, you know, say something new and refreshing, also look at, you know, a major part of American culture within our, our legal structure. Yeah, that's great. And, so. and the trial science that you guys use on the show, how closely, like, related is that to the actual trial science that happens today? <laughs> um, or in comparison to, like, you're talking about Dr. Phil in the past, and we see on Bull, we see all these yeah. monitors and cable going crazy with the hacking on, on social media platforms. So it must have obviously been, a lot, obviously been a lot different for Dr. Phil to do that in the past, but is it really as realistic today, though, of what you guys are portraying on the show? Uh, so we have a very advanced trial science yeah. on our show but it's not wholly unrealistic and especially on the you know when you think about you know 12 people in some town are going to decide a billion dollar or two billion dollar uh, decision mm-hmm. people are interested in who those 12 people are <laughs> yeah. and um, you know even back in the day Dr. Phil would tell us stories about surveillance on these, on these 12 people how mm-hmm. he would go into a town and they would hire uh, people to be waitresses or part of a catering company or part of different, um, you know, businesses so that they would hear what's going on in the town, wow. okay. how people are talking about mm-hmm. it and, and have, have an understanding of the jury and the jurors. So that's mm-hmm. not unrealistic at all. Um, the social media aspect they didn't have of back course. in the yeah. 90s when he was doing this, uh, but um, we've just extrapolated and it's incredible how much of a digital footprint everybody leaves. And so there's a way to do some of it without any hacking. Uh, On our show, we kind of feel like because what we're trying to do is tip the scales of justice back to even, Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of time we're dealing with, you know, we are the underdog taking on somebody who's got overwhelming force. We take a little liberties and maybe do a yeah. little hacking for for, uh, for, <laughs> good, for good. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have you do a lot of research with all types of cases a lot of that go mm-hmm. on uh, across you know across the country. What would you say is probably one of the more outlandish story pictures that you guys have seen mm-hmm. after reading some of this research? Ugh, God, you know it's incredible. There's so much that's uh, beyond what we could make up. But um, the, the idea in last week's episode about two jurors hooking up and having sex and yes. having this whole relationship, yeah. that apparently is not uncommon. Is that uh, so? Especially in longer trials. Huh. And it'll happen, and then, you know, when 
when you're somebody like us, you need a mirror jury. So trying to figure out how to get those two people to have that relationship, to have the same relationship as the jurors or conversely, people who hate each other on the jury. Sure. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's incredible. The other thing that I've seen that I just thought was amazing um, was Dr. Phil showed us uh, kind of before and afters of almost like these makeovers that people would have before they go on the, the witness stand. And um, there was actually, there, there was a guy who, I mean, people look so shifty when they don't know <laughs> and when they're nervous. And there was this guy who just kept scratching himself everywhere and, and um, kept drinking water. And I mean, just looked uh, so guilty, so oh guilty boy. in the first time. And then they showed us the after, and this is after like about a week of trial prep. And he looked calm and composed. After a chunk. And amazing. Dealt yes. with him, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was really incredible seeing, like, my God, if, if he hadn't gone through that witness prep, he just would have tanked the whole case. Now, was Chunk a, a completely fictional character, or did yeah. Dr. Phil have somebody like him, a, a, an individual as who did? As far as I know, Chunk is a one-of-a-kind. Okay. One of, yeah, so. he is. He's great. <laughs> we love Chunk. Yeah, and... and, and He's he, great. I mean, uh, gosh, I, uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw Hamilton, but he was George Washington in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and... Um, ju- mind blowing in that, and we're so lucky to have him on the show. Yeah, and, and speaking of big you, things coming for his, his character. Yeah, you're, the awesome. entire ensemble that you guys have put together is just—it's just an array of characters with personalities. Yeah. And we always talk about how much we love knowing the backgrounds to mm-hmm. these characters. Whenever we can get a little bit more into it, especially you know, last episode seeing mm-hmm. Bull and his ex-wife and, and everything that happened with Benny, and we—I yeah. just love that more personal okay. side to everyone, which is really great. Um, but yeah, we really want to know, is there, is there going to be any more personal stories when it comes to like Cable or to Chunk or oh, yeah. Danny and, you know. There's one for each of them. In fact. There is, okay. The, uh, I was working in post-production on two episodes today. Uh, one of them has a fairly big Cable element great. to it. Oh, great. Which is really fun. She's the only person in a certain part of TAC for the entire episode and, and has to do a lot of oh, stuff. Oh, that's herself. awesome. Um, and then... Excited. She, she loves so Cable. I love yeah. Cable. Yeah. I think yeah. Cable is so great. Uh, we also, the next episode to air, mm-hmm. not tonight's, but the first one back in January is about a self-driving car. Oh, that's awesome. And Cable has a connection with the inventor of this self-driving car and they go to a, a hacker, you know, cafe, and and there's some there's a lot of stuff that Cable gets to do in that episode. That's yeah. fantastic because so. I I've been even talking recently, mm-hmm. especially with my roommate, we've been talking about how self driving cars and just the, the oh. drones, the advancement of technology has just created all of these different legal problems mm-hmm. in the future, like yeah. all of these regulations oh, yeah. and whatnot, and it just adds this completely different element, and I'm sure it adds a a whole realm of creative possibilities for the show. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, there's a few different ways that we can slice it, which are really fun. One is, like, just looking at where the intersection of technology and law is, and it's so murky, mm-hmm. because we are writing the rules. There, There's nothing in place now for so many of these new technologies, whether it's, like, uh, CRISPR, you know, and gene splicing. Oh, God, um, mm-hmm. Or something like, like self-driving cars. But the other thing that's fun for our show is, generally speaking... Juries can't understand any of the technology. They get mm. lost in the techno babble. So 
like we get to play with, well, you know, do we want a jury full of technophiles or technophobes or do you like, do you want them of grandmothers or do you want them with like young hipsters and um, trying to get that, that mix. And so in this episode, that was part of like the exploration. And it, as it turns out, uh, Benny is a technophobe. Oh, and really? we'll get to learn a lot more about that in the next episode and see Very where that cool. comes from. Yeah. yeah. So, so how much prepping do you guys have to do for a show like this? Like, were you really well-versed with law before coming on to it? Did you really know a lot how the system works? Or was it sort of, is it still a learning type of experience for you? Uh, I, I mean, one of the things I like uh, or I love really about being a television writer is every episode you get to delve into a new world. Mm-hmm. And every show you get to delve into a new set of characters and, you know, a, a new almost career to explore, whether it's, you know, in crime or law. Um, this show has both. And then psychology. God, there's so much psychology that I'm researching oh, now. Yeah. Um, but how I initially got involved in all this is uh, kind of an unusual path. I um, lived abroad for a couple of years, and then I decided to go to the Kennedy School of Government, which is a, yeah. a Harvard School of Government, Good and get a you. master's. And uh, I wanted to go into speech writing. That was my dream was to be a speech writer. And so after I graduated, uh, I, I wrote a short story just because I also liked writing fiction. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to my brother, who was like the only person reading fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he happened to be dating a woman who was an assistant at a talent agency. And he left this short story out that I wrote on, on his nightstand, and she read it and sent it to an agent that she knew in L.A. She was in New York. And that agent sent it to a producer. And I got flown. It was like, I still remember, it was zero degrees in Boston in January. And this producer flew me out to L.A. And it was like 70 degrees. I met at her home in the Pacific Palisades. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, life can be like this. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I can make things up. I don't have to stick to, like, reality to write. and so, you know, I, uh, I, I ended up, you know, taking the leap and moved out here. And I still did speech writing on the side mm-hmm. um, for a few years after that. Um, but I had this one movie that got optioned. And I, like many movies, it didn't go, in, go anywhere, but I got an agent out of it. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, it's funny, then I, I started doing some speech writing for the State Department. And oh. I had just gotten clearance um, to have a, a speech writing job for a pretty high level speech writing job for them when I got offered a job writing on the West Wing. There you go. Amazing. And, um, it was just before the Iraq War, and uh, I thought I could actually be more truthful writing in this fictitious White House <laughs> than I could be in, <laughs> a, in the regular in the, White House. In the, what's in happened. The actual, mm-hmm. So I decided yeah. to stay out here and roll the dice and went on to the West Wing and kind of haven't looked back. Yeah, that's Irony. great. Now, is your brother still dating that woman? No. No, so. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, because without her, we wouldn't have you on the show. That is such an awesome story, how things just happen like that. You yeah, just connect just the funny. dots and see where it all leads you to. Wow, that's of really all great. of your past writing staff experiences, which one do you think is probably the most influential in helping you run Bull? Hmm. Uh, well, writing on the West Wing, I think just generally is my most influential because it was my first real staff job. Uh, writing under Sorkin was just a, a dream. Um, and I got to write on him for three years and then John Wells uh, for two. So I kind of really got to know two amazing like giants and um, incredible sort of mentors uh, in television and in the in the field of writing. So... Uh, they l- both left, 
you know, a, an imprint on me and, and helped me think about how I want to run a show and the kinds of things that I like writing about. Um, I mean, there are so many lessons from Aaron about writing that I think about every day. I mean, just the simplest of, uh, you know, he really pounded it into us, this idea that Aristotle had about um, uh, intention and obstacle. Every scene has to have, characters need to have a strong want, and there has to be something even stronger in their way, you know? And just wow. like, that's the basis for every, every scene and everything that, when I start writing. Um, wow, what a mentor to have. <laughs> wow, that's a great, you know, yeah. experience uh, for the was, rest of your life. Yeah. He was really terrific. I, I loved working with him. I got to work with him on that, and... Uh, consult on Charlie Wilson's War, and then um, got to uh, to run the writers' room on Studio Sixty. I love it. So um, really, really, you know, I, I think the world of him. I mean, yeah. he's just a, a really. I felt sort of like Salieri getting to see Mozart there. Is there a, you amazing. go. And he's a Syracuse grad. <laughs> That's right. Which I am as well. Go Cues. Go Orange. <laughs> love that. You can't. You know. You can't hate on that. I can't. And hate. for for everyone who's watching who doesn't really know what a showrunner does per se I know it's very hard to be like so what do you do every day because I work in television I understand <laughs> that it's a craziness but if you can kind of I don't know sure. in short term say what exactly your role is with the show uh, I'll, I'll give a, a, a longer version I'll give longer <laughs> whatever is good for you I love because long I think so. the, the history of how show running came, yeah. came about in television is really interesting so writers initially in movies uh, were not treated that well and had very little power so when television came along the writers and the writers' guild said, this is a uh, medium that we're going to make our own. So they built into all the, the guild ch- contracts that the writers become producers after a certain amount of time. And what that kind of became is like um, an upper-out system on writing staffs, where you start as a staff writer, then you become a story editor, then executive story editor, and you move up, and then producer, supervising producer, and then um, each of those you get more managerial um, experience. And John Wells was kind of the best at this and I mean at, at times he had four shows on the air oh, wow. which is just in- incredible but he was really good at also grooming all the people who worked under him you know he hired people with the philosophy of like you know this is kind of a sink or swim place but if you're good like I'm going to train you to one day be a showrunner and um, he just he taught us everything from not just thinking about what's on the page but how to produce uh, which is incredibly important and how to work with actors and hire directors and everything. And so uh, by the time you get to executive producer, unlike movies where the directors and the producers have the, and the actors have the majority of the power and control, in, in television, the writers do. Um, a showrunner is almost like a CEO. Like we, hi- we do all the hiring, we do all the firing, we decide... Uh, who, what directors are going to direct each week? We we get to hire the cast. We produce the episodes and have all the sort of final decision making with the network. So um, it really is the the last stop in setting the vision and you know everything from overall tone to doing the polishes on the script to helping decide what people are going to yeah. wear every day right. yeah. on the show. You wear um, a thousand hats. You really do. And yeah. the, the key is hiring well. Yeah. Hire. Well, do you so. hire the extras that are in the background in the jury? Because I know two people who would maybe want to be an extra. You guys want to be in the jury? <laughs> we could. We could. Awesome. Yeah. Right. You already did where, you know, the, the two people like each other and hook up. So we're already past that. We don't need that. Uh-huh. So, okay. yeah. So I would be willing to do it with him now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> but no, that's great. I mean, yeah, show, it's just, are you loving this experience too? Yeah. I mean, you're probably on it's zero really sleep fun. or maybe one it's hour. Hard. I mean, <laughs> it, the, the hardest part is a first year show because nothing's really set and and everyone has a different idea of what the show is mm-hmm. only because really, you know, you haven't yet created what it is. <laughs> and you're hiring up to 500 people who are all going to, within about a six-week period, um, who all need to be swimming in the same direction, mm-hmm. who need to have that shared vision of what the show is. Um, we write it in, in L.A., we shoot it in New York, and then we do post back in L.A. So across country, we have to communicate with, yeah. the, with the creatives and the actors there and, you know, set dressing and, and pick locations and everything across country um, and like I said, we start shooting about six or seven weeks after uh, we staff the writers' room, mm-hmm. and so that means building all the sets, hiring the, those several hundred people, getting the cast Gosh. together, um, and then starting to write the scripts. And you're not just writing one script; like the first script, the pilot script, you get roughly nine months to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you have six weeks, and then you're going to make twenty-two. And hopefully it's as good and as the pilot. Every, yeah. every eight days is going to be a new one come, you know, hell or high water. So you're just on this this uh, treadmill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you cannot stop running. <laughs> ever. And as things going. are moving so mm-hmm. quick, I'm sure that yeah. a lot of your personal experiences find their way into the show because that's what you have to pull from. So how yeah. much of the show finds these personal experiences of Mark Goffman. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I really like to, you know, hire incredibly talented writers and and have them share their collective experiences too so that that's what gives the show its richness. And, you know, my job is to help both foster that talent and, you know, give a direction for what the show and setting that tone, but then um, allowing everybody to really put their stamp on their episodes. Um, but there's there's definitely... You know, lots of little pieces of me that I'll throw in. Um, there's a there's a story from uh, the the doctor episode a few weeks ago, um, where you know it's a story he tells of the day he fell for Marissa, mm-hmm. which is based on the day I fell for my wife, where I was wearing oh. this horrible NASA <laughs> tank to- or uh, like jersey and corduroy shorts and work boots and. Uh, I thought I never thought about what I wore before then. But yeah. Apparently, it makes a, a difference. To it women. makes a difference. They, um, they remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, fortunately, she stuck with me. Did she love that you like incorporated that? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I called her over. I was like, "Honey, watch this part." Like, <laughs> doesn't so, care about the rest. This got, one's about me. And then you were yeah, saying cool. tonight's episode. There was also a little something you threw in as well. Yeah, there was a story I heard uh, right before um, I got married that. Um, that a rabbi told about gossip mm-hmm. and about the power of gossip and the negative power of gossip. And I thought it was incredibly powerful. And so we were able to work it into the, the episode tonight. And um, I, also, I thought it was really funny because obviously, you know, Bull is not Jewish, um, but he uses the word shtetl in, in, <laughs> in the episode. Um, so he has to explain that. But, you know, he's well-read. So. Yeah, yeah, very well-read. I mean, with all of the stellar ratings, viewership, apart from those elements, what are you most proud of about this show's success? Hmm. Uh, what I'm really most proud of is we're getting to sort of pull back the veil on the American judicial system and inspire some hope uh, within it that uh, you can get a fair trial 
and maybe, you know, show people a little bit about human behavior. And uh, that's just, that's fun. And every episode, we really try to find a few little kernels of things about human behavior that, that I didn't know and that, that you know, are, are insightful and enlightening and hopefully a little inspiring. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and how closely related is Bull, because I know we're talking about fiction and whatnot, yeah. is Bull to Dr. Phil from how Dr. Phil was back so, in the day when he was really doing this? We were very clear uh, that we didn't want to make it Dr. Phil. Okay. We wanted the trial science and sort of the corporate approach to be based on his research, but the character is not him. And really, because we wanted to just have the freedom to let him get into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not have to <laughs> and, be like... And, um, you know, and Michael Weatherly is just amazing. Oh, and yeah. um, there, there are definitely aspects. And um, there are sayings that, you know, Dr. Phil has and uh, approaches, you know, that, that he'll give, like... He talks about, you know, outfaring the other side where, Mm. you know, he will show in court how his client and his strategy just is so much more common sense, fair, you know, uh, for for everyone that it will often have an effect on Mm -hmm. on the juries. Um, Yeah, he talks about (laughs) uh, plaintiffing the defense, which I think is kind of an awesome idea. It's really like if you're the defense to go on the offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's uh, that's a really cool, very, it's a great way to to get active in a show. Yeah. And the one thing that the two of us have talked about a lot about the show is we see Bull win a lot. And we're so interested to see what his character would be like Mm -hmm. if he lost. Is he going to lose? Is Bull going (laughs) to lose? All right, so first of all, Callisto, (laughs) Uh which is actually based on a real town in Texas, um, that was was definitely a Dr. Phil story. Mm. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, not exactly like that, but... Uh, you know, we, we created it as it was Bull, one of the only places Bull had lost Yeah, um, to Diana Lindsay, mm-hmm. who's going to be coming back in an episode. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for her, she's a, a regular on night shift, uh, so we can't get her all the time. <laughs> Schedules. Unfortunately for us, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so he has lost before. We are going to see a lot more of really challenging, difficult um, episodes and uh, cases, and he's not always going to win in the future. He isn't okay because no. we were wondering it because Callisto is really you know it did not end with a win or a loss, so no, it was it kind was of we're like, is that it? it? Was, was, he, was that stalemate kind of his loss? I guess in a sense, him waking up you know with his <laughs> pants off by a cow. I guess that was just a loss without even having to go to court. Everybody but, uh, loses in that situation. You're always a loser in that, but Bull somehow rose out of it. Uh, but yeah, that's really so. Is is Bull yeah. going to get married this season again? Get this married season? this season? Yeah. I or can would we at least not... expect a little bit of rekindling yeah. with his ex? There's definitely going to be some romance this okay. season. There's okay. a lot coming up, but uh, I don't. I wouldn't say marriage not is marriage. in the horizon. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Not yet. We still yeah, have a lot. More. We'll see. We, you know, uh, I can say this. I don't know if it's been announced anywhere else, but we're, we're doing twenty three episodes now. Twenty three episodes. We got a back back one. Ooh. Um, so yeah. 
that's so really exciting. The next two episodes, fantastic. That is yeah. huge news. That is really that's just showing how great the show is doing I mean, and the how back successful order alone, it is. The back order alone was yeah. just a great uh, a testament to your success, yeah. and uh, it's been it's been a real fantastic. Yeah. And uh, you guys are in the the embryo phase still. Like you're saying, you know, you guys are still working on it and still figuring out yeah. doing New York to LA, figuring out how it's all going. So. And a lot of yeah. shows don't really get even a season one. So props was, to you guys for even making it this far. I was talking with a, a writer on The Simpsons, and he was sort of explaining how, like, you know, t- he likes to think of episodes as, as years in, in a person's life. So, like, the first season of a show, you know, those first 13 are very awkward. You're still, like, learning how to walk, basically. <laughs> Um, then in season two, you're like 22 to 40, like you feel invincible and you, <laughs> everything's new and you're running full speed. And, and he's like, yeah, we're doing 350. I'm so old. I'm like so I'm barely old. just kind of <laughs> just making it yeah. happen. That's a great analogy to have <laughs> so, to describe it. Um, do you have one final, uh, one final yeah. question for me? I know that we had t- touched upon it earlier in that we want to see a little bit more of the supporting characters mm-hmm. in tack. If you could choose, I mean, now it's like preliminary, but if you could choose any supporting character to have their own spinoff series, Ooh. what would you like to roll with? Oh, man. Ooh. I know it's a tough oh, one. See, that's not fair. <laughs> Can I I'm just not, take I'm not judging them? any oh, of the actors. Good. I'm not judging anything but just like the, just the character itself. I know that's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, see, it's not But a if fair you can take question, all of them, if you can take if all of them. I can take all of them, all of them I would do that. But there's no question, you know, Chunk has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're oh, but the the fun thing about this show is each of them has a different skill set, mm-hmm. and in the next as we get into these these uh, later season episodes, we're going to be doing a lot more with each of them. So mm-hmm. it's going to be going to be really exciting. Yeah, and I just have one more final question that we will I've meet. A ca- always... Cable's X is coming up too. Cable's X. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like knowing a little bit more Love about it. my girl. We just, you know, I'm a hacker at heart, not really at all. <laughs> but if I was, I would be Cable. Okay. Um, but something that I always bring up whenever we do after shows is we always see people walking around in the backgrounds, which are obviously extras. Yeah. But I've always been curious: are is Bull working on many cases at once, and we're just seeing one? Yeah. Are are these just a thousand interns that are just helping them prep <laughs> for this case? We there. Probably never more than two or three cases at once okay. because he's just you know he he's all or nothing mm-hmm. on a case. But you know if you think about it, no most law most legal cases don't happen overnight. They take years, yeah, and certainly months to you know kind of come to gestation. So. Uh, there's some percolating in the background. Yeah. And but the team that he's with, they're on every yeah. case that he's on. He has right. He so has this team. Group. He has this little group. And then there's you know probably fifty other people who are working Support. in the background. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Because I always I how many times you, I asked about that. I don't almost know why. Every episode. It's always great. looking. And he's like, he's just the we're gonna, we're gonna get to know some of them too. Though. Okay. Good. There's a couple of them that good. are gonna pop out in the next. I love this. Oh, I just I, it makes me so happy. Like I'm just smiling. I can't stop smiling. Thinking. I love this show so much. A lot of insider knowledge. Yeah. You provided a great Thank insight you. and uh, and a great background on your history yeah. as an mm-hmm. individual. Yeah. Very successful well, and uh, and we see the success in this show. In the show. Thanks so much for watching. Yeah. And thank you so much. 
much for coming on. This has been so great, so insightful, and uh, we can't wait for the new year and the rest of the episodes to come out. So everyone keep tuned to it. (laughs) It's a fabulous show, as we all know, as we always talk about together. We've got about uh, like 12, 12, 13 more episodes to air, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very exciting. Well, Nadine, yeah. tell us where you can find you Thank on you guys media. for watching. You guys can find me everywhere at Nadine, DP, and the number three. And I am Kevin Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at the Kevin Ellis or Instagram at KevinEllis25. We thank Mark Goffman again for joining us this evening. We will be back after the new year with a new episode of Bull. Nice seeing you guys. Take care. Thank you. Happy holidays. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Boy, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 